to Trade Talks, the podcast that gives me the opportunity to talk and you the opportunity to listen to what I'm talking about. And today we get to talk about the subject of what makes a man. Just a little bit ago, I went out of the school and I patted a little guy on the head and I said, hey boy, how you doing? And he's like, I'm not a boy, I'm a man. And another boy stepped up and said, no, there's a big difference between a boy and a man, and you're a boy. Now, I didn't get into the conversation with him of what he thought a man was, but he's right. There is a big difference between a boy and a man, and today I can't wait to talk about what makes a man. So what is it that makes a man? You know, I love this subject, and I think back on my childhood and and wanting to grow up, you know, to to be a man, just like this little guy I was talking to today. In his mind, he had the image of what a real man is. And when we think of the image of a real man, what is it? You know, it, in growing up, it was Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris was a real man. You know, Rambo. Of course, then we didn't know the name Sylvester Stallone. We just knew Rambo, Rocky. He was a real man. Arnold Schwarzenegger obviously was a real man. Clint Eastwood was a real man. Hulk Hogan was the man of mans. And man, the macho man, it doesn't get any better than that, folks, right? The Randy Macho Man Savage, he was a man. If anybody was a real man, it was Macho Man. And and so these these men, okay, if we're going to call them that, These guys were the illustration of a real man in our eyes. That's who we wanted to emulate. That's who we wanted to be like. I mean, after all, a real man would also be what? He man. It doesn't get any better than that. He and man together. I mean, that's awesome. But is a man really somebody that walks around in cowboy boots and in the persona of John Wayne is a holster required to be a real man boots, a knife. I mean, do I have to have Steven Seagal or Jean-Claude Van Damme martial arts and self-defense skills in order to qualify as a man? Do I need to be watching four to five hours of football or UFC a week to be a man? Or like the Raiders like to say, you know, real men wear black. Do I have to make sure I'm wearing my black in order to be a real man? You see, all these things are descriptions that we have seen over the years to define a man. And now today, because of some of this is how it's personified, men are being criticized. You know, don't don't hold that door. Don't be a gentleman. Um, don't act like men are the only ones that can do anything. You know, um, you know, we, we had the idea that men will not do laundry or men would not do dishes or men would not real men won't, they won't cook. And, and so all these things have come about and, and compiled together. It's really given us a twisted view of a man. So in this podcast, I just want to go over a few things that truly defines or tell you what really makes a man. And number one, remember this is my podcast so I can say what I want here. The first quality of a real man is he must be bald. Now, just kidding. I know some of you maybe haven't seen me, but I must say that Mule Brenner was a real man. Now, I'm partial to guys that don't have hair. That's why I think Elisha 
was the most awesome prophet in all the Bible because he was bold, bald, go up thou bald head, go up thou bald head. And obviously he did twice as miracles as Elijah, so he must be the better prophet. So there you go. But that being said, Elijah is talked about probably twice as much as Elisha in the Bible and later on. And and that's, that's the point here. Elisha and Elijah were both men, but they were different. They weren't the same person. They had different characteristics. They had different qualities. They had different things about them, but they were still men. Nobody is going to argue the manhood of Peter. I mean, Peter is is a fisherman. He he is a man as we think about it in the Bible, but also when you consider everything Paul went through, no one can say that Paul wasn't a real man either. So so Peter is an unlearned and ignorant fisherman. Paul was a top student of one of the top teachers in the whole Jewish community. He was brilliant, but yet both were men used of God. So that brings me to a point. All men are different. Elisha was bald and did twice as many miracles as Elijah, but yet look at Elijah. President George Washington and President Adams, both gifted and talented men with core leadership abilities, but both were completely and totally different personalities. Trey, what's your point? So far, you've told us nothing that truly stands out that makes a man a man. Give me the checklist so I can prove to my kids that I'm a real man. All right. So so let's do this. The first characteristic of a real man is a real man knows how to follow. What? Real men lead. No. I'm here to tell you a real man knows how to follow. Before a man can become a leader, he must learn how to follow. A follower is a learner. Trey, you're the pastor at Faith Baptist, man. You have no one to follow. You have no idea what you are talking about. Not true. Even as the lead, quote unquote, lead pastor of Faith Baptist Church, I followed the lead of others, honestly, quite a bit. I was just listening to a pastor this week who gave me a lot to think about when it comes to church ministry and philosophy. You know, we're never too old to learn. I I read other pastors. I, I read articles. I read blogs trying to learn. Men that I follow. I follow the lead of these people that I read. You know, I, I just just finished Carrie Neohoff's uh, new book, okay, At Your Best, and it was amazing. I loved it. And I took a bunch from it, and, and I put it into practice immediately, So before I can lead in these areas, I've got to follow what these guys are saying. So in order to be a real man, I must follow. And I know this sounds contrary, but some guys are so anti-following that they do nothing but cause division among them and other people. You, You know what these people are like, right? You've been around them. They've got all the answers. They know what they should say. They know how it should be said. They've got the right take on this Bible verse. They've got the right take on how to be a dad. They know how to be the right husband, and their family's in submission to them, and their kids never question anything. And if my kids ever ask me why, I just tell them, because. Because I'm your dad, and you're going to do what I say. Now, there might be a time for that, okay? But there's nothing wrong with following Sometimes my wife has 
a better idea on how to handle a situation, and I will follow her advice and how to handle it. Sometimes my kids, you know, they can surprise me at times, and they've got a really good take on a situation, and, and I'll give them Okay, that 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 take or I'll give them that advice they gave me and say, okay, you got it. Um, You're probably right. That's probably what we need to do. You see, it's following. It's it's just an idea of humility because we do not have all the answers. So in order to be a man, we must follow. We must especially follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. The leading of the Spirit is essential for us to accomplish what we need to and what God has called us to do. So even Jesus, as you look in John chapter 4, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he followed the Spirit's leading into the wilderness. Men, to be a man, we've got to follow. Okay, we need to follow the lead of others. We need to follow the lead of others ahead of us. We need to follow the lead of those around us. Man, we especially need to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to follow the Spirit's leading. What does Paul say? He says, follow me for I what? For I am Paul, because I am the man, because I have wrote so much scripture, because I've been beaten and left for dead, because I've been taught like none of you have been taught. I was even taught by God God himself. No, it's not what he says. Paul says, follow me because what? I follow Christ. A real man knows how to follow. The second characteristic of a man A real man is a real man knows when to sit and a real man knows when to stand. A real man knows when to sit and a real man knows when to stand. We have a a Labradoodle. He's about a year old. And if you've heard any noise in the background whatsoever at all, it's because of that dumb dog throwing his, his toy around or whatever else he's doing while I'm trying to record this. I think I'd have had better luck at the church with a thousand interruptions than trying to deal with a crazy Labradoodle right now. But, you know, even at a year old, he's, he's probably about 80 pounds. I mean, he's a, he's a big dog. And at times, man, he can seem vicious. And if somebody comes in he doesn't know or another dog's out there that he doesn't recognize outside, um, he, he, can, he can kind of put a fear of, of fear in you of him. But when we're walking the neighborhood and he's on his leash, you know, he seems to do really well with other people taking walks. And, you know, obviously if he sees another dog, he wants to pull towards that dog or run towards kids in the neighborhood. So when we're crossing someone like that on a walk, we have him come and we make him sit. And then I grab his collar, put him between my legs and I make him sit. And what that does is that sitting not only calms him, but it puts him in a position of submission okay, to me. So I say sit, and then I have to sometimes sit on him, but it puts him there where he can't go, and he can't go against my commands. He's got to obey me. So as men, though, we, we tend to be reactors. We, we see a problem, and we don't want to sit. We want to attack. We want to stand. We, we want to jump in, and we want to be the hero. We want to make everything better, and, and we want to beat up the boy who broke our little girl's heart. We want to set that teacher straight. We want to stand. And there are times where we need to stand, and there's times when standing is necessary. But a man who is willing to sit, okay, beside their daughter after her heart is broken and listen and love is much more of a man 
who wants to go and set that boy straight. A man who sits and hears out his wife okay, is more of a man than, than the man who wants to step in and start sparring okay, or start and want to fix things or start spouting his wisdom. A man who has learned to sit at the feet of Jesus then always trying to do for him is a real man. So I hope that makes sense. We, we don't need to be always doing. Sometimes we need just to be sitting. Sometimes we need to be listening. If you're listening today and you have a daughter, listen, you need to sometimes be quiet and just listen. It is not easy being a girl in this day and age. My daughter told me the other day, no wonder girls go crazy. When I'm trying to figure out chemistry and I'm trying to figure out algebra two and I'm trying to figure out college and I'm trying to get scholarships together and I'm trying to play sports and I'm trying to keep the team together. She's like, it's almost too much for me to handle. Now, I can laugh that off and say, oh girl, wait till you get in the real world and then we'll see. But a dad listens. And what I heard in that was, man, I'm stressed. Okay, I'm dealing with some anxiety. And so, hey, what what about this is really bothering you? Okay, what what is the most difficult thing that you are going through right now? Is it algebra two or is it contemplating leaving and going off to college one day? Or is it just trying to deal with your friends or or how to balance your schedule with sports to listen, to ask the questions and listen? You see, that's sitting. And we can be so much more effective men if we learn just to sit and be quiet. Say, Pastor Trey, if you knew my wife, there is no jumping in and trying to solve problems. All I ever get to do is sit and listen. Good. Be better at listening okay? in, in those situations. Trust me, that's that will pay off and reap great benefits in the end. Number three, real men know their weaknesses. Ah, you're crazy, preacher. Weakness is pain leaving the body. No pain, no gain. Only the strong survive. Weakness is the only requirement, okay, for the weak, not for the strong. No. Weakness is the only requirement for real strength. Real men know what their kryptonite is. Real men see kryptonite as their destroying factor. We see it as the means to an end. We've got to know where our weaknesses are, and we've got to be aware of those weaknesses. We've got to know where our points of temptation are, and we've got to avoid those. We don't need to be marching in to the bar and ordering a drink if we know our weakness is drunkenness and alcohol. Okay, We don't need to be messing around on the internet when no one's home and we've got nothing else going on when we know our weaknesses are pornography okay, or flirting with pornography. We, we don't need to be sitting and staring at the refrigerator when we know our weaknesses is to eat when we're bored, okay? We've got to know what our weaknesses are, and we've got to acknowledge them, and we've got to deal with them. We don't like them, but they're there. You know, 10 days before running the Morgantown Marathon, and and my goal of running that Morgantown Marathon was to finish in the top 10, I had my massive heart attack. I went from running 20 miles at an 8.30 pace on July 15th and on August 5th of 2017 
to walking a half mile in 12 minutes. Folks, listen, I was running 20 miles in an 8.30 pace with the hills of West Virginia to walking a half a mile in 12 minutes and barely making it. I remember being just a quarter of a mile down our road and leaning over on my hands and knees trying to catch my breath and mentally what that did to me. Man, it was not easy for me to handle. And I've not seen an 8.30 pace in a mile since my heart attack. But yet God has used that weakness to help me reach so many people. God has used that weakness to help me encourage so many in Christ. You see, God can use the weaknesses in my life to help me to rely upon him for strength and and to help me continue when I want to quit and to help me be a minister and to help me to minister to others. Your weakness can be something that God will use as a strength for his glory. Paul says, I will glory in my infirmities, that this, that, that Christ might be seen in him, that, that he might have strength in his weaknesses. And that's exactly how God gets the glory, is through, if you will, our kryptonite. And so right now you might be listening and thinking, man, I've got so many weaknesses. Praise the Lord. I've messed up so many times. Praise the Lord. Can you see it? You acknowledge it. Now let God work in and through you to do that because a real man acknowledges his weaknesses. Again, here's the Apostle Paul who who is the man. Okay, he, he, he has done so much for the cause of Christ, more than anyone we read about in the New Testament other than Jesus himself. And what does he say? He says, I am weak, and that's okay, because when I'm weak, then he is strong. A real man acknowledges his weaknesses. Number four, a real man says, I don't know. It's okay not to have all the answers. It's okay to look at our wives and say, you know, I don't know what we're going to do about this. It's okay to look at your kids and say, I don't know the answer to this issue that you're facing. I don't know what to tell you to do. It's okay not to know all the answers at work and say, you know, I'm going to have to get back with you on that. Now, I'm the type that I love to know. Okay, I don't always have to be the smartest person in the room, but I can tell you this, I admire the smartest person in the room. And I love being around smart people, and I love gleaning from them. I know as a young pastor, I had the opportunity to be around many seasoned men in ministry. And I remember we were driving from Zanesville to Lima, Ohio one day, and I was driving, and we had a pastor in the passenger side of the seat and a pastor in the back of the car. And as we're driving along, the pastor was a, a younger man, about 15 years older than me, and he he was um, asking questions about the book of Revelation. And so he'd ask a question, and the pastor beside me was, you know, in his 70s, seasoned in ministry, and he's answering these questions of his take on the book of Revelation. And, and he's like, oh, you know, the man in the back's like, you know, like on chapter 3 and verse 12, yeah, yeah, the pastor beside me would say. Then, then he would say, well, you know, Revelation 15, 16 says this. Now, how do you correlate that with what you just said? And after a while, I realized no pages were turning. Eventually, we stopped to get gas, and I said, hey, pastor, 
You were answering these questions and quoting these verses, but I didn't hear any Bible. And back then, there was no Bible on our phones. They would just flipped up, and we made a phone call with them. So I said, how, how did you know that? Did you memorize the book of Revelation? He's like, yes, I have the book of Revelation memorized because I'm teaching through it. And last year, I taught through the book of Job, and I memorized it as well. But, oh, my, this guy is smart. I knew he was smart, but I didn't know he was that smart. I was I picked another man, a speaker up, guest speaker at the airport, and we were driving back, you know, as a young pastor, I want to be spiritual. And I said, Doctor, what what are you doing for your devotions right now? He said, Oh, I'm I'm translating Isaiah from the Hebrew. So okay, you know, well good for you. I'm translating Genesis. Not really. You know, and, and so these guys, I'm like, wow, they are so smart. And so I try to ask questions, and I'm trying to to learn as much from them as I can. And I'm trying to glean as much as I can. But but as smart as we think we are, I think we would be much better off saying, I don't know. You know, it's okay to be ignorant about things we don't know. And there are going to be times when we don't know the answers or we don't know the right answer to the question. More words, men, do not make us look smart. Not answering the question and trying to get as close enough to suffice, okay, and, and to get the person to off our backs from asking the question, it's, it doesn't cut it. You know, even Peter himself said, you know, Paul is teaching us stuff that's hard to be understood. Now listen, if Peter says that, it's okay for us to say it. You know, I don't really know. And, and we love to talk about theology and end time stuff. And I heard the best answer the other day. Are you post-trib? Are you pre-trib? And this doctor who, who was a scholar said, I'm pan-trib. And the person said, well, what does that mean? He said, I think it's all going to pan out in the end. I'm like, yes, that is me. I'm a pan-tribber. We don't know. And it's okay not to know. Because knowing all the answers doesn't necessarily make a man. Finally, what makes a real man? A real man knows how to have a difficult conversation. Difficult conversations are not easy, and many men run from them. They run from confrontation. They run from the difficult conversation, but real men know when to have it. I have had so many of these over the years, and I'm not saying that I'm a real man. I would much rather run, but I had nowhere to go. I was in a corner, and I had to have it. But over the years now, I'm kind of enjoying having these conversations. Why? Because they're so beneficial. You know, when is the last time, men, if you have a a teenager in your home that you've sat down with them and said, hey, son, where are you with God? What are you doing for your devotions? I just did this with my oldest the other day. Do you feel like God's real in your life? Do you feel like he's speaking to you? Do you feel like he's a thousand miles away? Okay, how, how is that Bible reading and prayer going? See, it's those conversations. They don't have to be difficult, okay? but for some reason they are. It's to have the conversations with our daughters that we need to have. And for more on this, you can go back and, and listen to a previous podcast on being silent. But we need to have those conversations. I didn't mention guns. I didn't mention a gun safe. I didn't mention boots. Okay, I, I didn't mention uh, muscles, Okay, even though... I might have all those things. I, I did mention baldness. I'm sorry for those that you don't qualify, but th- those are not on your checklist. Those are not the things that make a man. Okay, if you want to be a real man, have those conversations. If you want to be a real man, learn to say 
No. If you want to be a real man, know your weaknesses. If you want to be a real man, know when to sit, know when to stand. And if you want to be a real man, learn how to follow and then learn how to lead. I hope this helps as you've listened to a trade talk on what it takes to be a man. If you know someone that needs to be a man or is confused on the definition of a man, send them this podcast and and let it be an encouragement to them and, and a help to them. Or maybe you know somebody that fits these characteristics that think they're not matching up as a man. Well, send it to them and, and let that be an encouragement to them. If you've not subscribed to Trade Talks, I would encourage you to do so. And we look forward to tuning in next time on what I am talking about.